Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's Chris from The Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. It is the evening of April 1st, 2020, which, of course, is the 35-year anniversary of the monumental win over Patrick Ewing's Georgetown Hoyas to secure Villanova's first national championship. If you are listening to this podcast, please know it is the second part of the two-part series of another special edition of The Full 40, our two-part interview with Chuck Everson of the 1985 National Championship team. Part one is already out. We recorded the podcast in one session and split it into two to chunk it out into an easier listening experience. So once the intro music for this one ends, we'll be picking up right where we left off from part one. In part one, we talked all about Chuck's road to Villanova and his early years with the team. Chuck came from Long Island, where he currently resides with his family. He got to campus in 1982 for the 82-83 Elite Eight season. Part one is great and goes into great detail of his recruitment experience with funny bits and notes about Jim Beheim, Jim Valvano, and of course, Roly Massimino. Definitely go check it out if you haven't already done so. Forgive me for being a little biased, though, in favor of part two. You won't hear a game-by-game recount of the 1985 championship run, but you will hear about the people and relationships that Chuck has taken with him along the way. I alluded to this in my intro yesterday, but Chuck is the personification of the Villanova basketball family. That comes shining through in almost every minute of this second part of the podcast. It's funny, surprising at points, touching, emotional, and above all else, it's as real as it gets. Since meeting Chuck, he makes sure to check in with both Rob and I every now and then. Chuck called Rob last week as an example, and him and I spoke today, just to make sure that we're all okay with everything going on. And that's just the kind of guy Chuck is. What I hope is that listening to this episode is that you get the same feeling as well. Rob and I say this all the time. We want to tell the Villanova story through the lens of Villanova basketball. Chuck is the personification of that family, and in that regard, there really is no better storyteller. With everyone cooped up inside and not commuting, it may be tough to carve out time to check out a podcast. But if you get a chance, listen through both, and if you enjoy it, our only request is that you share it with your friends, family, and anybody that you think might enjoy it. Thanks once again to Chuck Everson for joining us on this podcast, and thank you for listening. Rob and I really hope you enjoy this episode just as much as we did. Now let's pass it on to Jim Nance to take us into part two of the Chuck Everson interview. Jim, take it away. So, so take us through the 85 year, because I, I one of the things I think that also gets lost through <clears throat> time is that the team was was good the entire year, and it was like, what, wasn't there like a, like you guys played Georgetown late in the season. Yeah, yeah. And, we, we played them, well, obviously we played them twice that year. We felt good uh, about our chances with Georgetown because we always beat them once every year. First year, my first year... 
we beat them out to Plester in a classic game. We were down five with 40 seconds to go, and we win the game in regulation. Ed has 22 and 27. Jeez, 27 right. points, 22 boards. Oh, my goodness. John Pannone <laughs> makes a play at the end. Gary McLean makes a diving play at the end of the game, saves the game. And and it was the first time I was in a game where the court got mobbed. Like, everybody, like you had a fight to get to the locker room, which right. is kind of cool. I've never been in that kind yeah, of melee yeah, yeah. before. And then one year, Wilbur hit a shot uh, at the buzzer at the cap center, and uh, that was the game that uh, Connolly uh, went to celebrate. We tease him all the time, and I'll tell you about him later, but we tease him all the time, and he celebrated and threw his back out when he when he jumped up to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Fran Ragazzino had to tend to him on the floor instead of celebrating with the team and had to help him. Um, so we had already won like once a year, you know. So we knew that we had a shot, and, and ESPN played that game uh, the morning of our game, so we can, you know, you can see, uh, you can see what happened, and you can kind of get a feel for what they were about. Yeah. So. So so throughout the season, though, you guys were ranked throughout the season at, at points, right? Uh, somewhat, but not right. really. I mean, we always seemed to get to a certain part, and then we, you know, St. John's would would beat us, and we lost to them three times, St. John's. Yeah. We really couldn't handle lefties well, I guess. Chris and Walter, mm-hmm. you know, they, they gave us a hard time. You know, Barry, uh, Barry's a funny dude, man. He, he you know, he uh, he's sitting in at St. John's. We're playing in Alumni Hall, and he's sitting in a hot tub up to his neck. And I walk in, and I put my finger on him. I go, you stay in there, buddy. He goes, how, how, how hot is that? He goes, oh, it's 104. I go, good. Yeah. Stay there. Yeah. Take the legs out of you, you know? Right. He went in and dropped 36 on us after Jeez. sitting in a hot tub like that for like a half an hour. Right. You know? I mean, he was unbelievable. Chris, as everybody knows, was an incredible player. Uh, you know, and they had a really, really good team. You know, one of my high school friends who played at uh, Brentwood High School with me, Ron Stewart, was on that team. Mm-hmm. So, um, so they were really good. They gave us a hard time. And we had, uh, going into the tournament, we already had 10 losses. So we didn't really know. And, and we didn't realize that they moved it to 64 teams that year. But that was the first year of the That was the first year of 64 teams. We didn't realize that. So every year at when they had the, the party to get together for uh, to watch to see where you're going to go, mm-hmm. we weren't even sure we were going huh. at that point. We because we were we were on you know the bubble. The we were nine. We had nine. Twenty is the magic number. We had nineteen. So we all thought, oh, you know. We're in trouble. We might not make it. We're you're on the nine, bubble. You're 19 and 10. We're 19 and 10, right. not ranked. And, and we're on the bubble, and we're like, okay, what's going to happen now? And you got to remember, too, that was after coming off a 35-point loss to Pittsburgh yeah. at Pittsburgh, you know, where I've never seen Coach – I've seen Coach get mad, but not like that. I mean, and, and the seniors on that team were kind of down about, uh, you know, we kind of let everybody down, they felt, you know. Mm-hmm. And – uh he said at halftime, he goes, listen, you got two minutes. You guys don't come out and play. I'm pulling everybody. And he did. And and the second team um, got um, the CBS player of the game was our second team. And it was funny for me because I, uh, I was the sixth man or seventh man, so I was the first big guy in. Yeah. So I got, I got stuck with the starters and stuff. And so I, you know, I didn't get the time. I thought I was going to get, okay, yeah. I'm going to get more time in the second half. I, that didn't happen. So, um yeah, but that so we had that game that we went through, and then we then the next game that was the last game of the season, the regular season, and then the first game we had to play Pittsburgh the first round of the Big yeah. East at the Garden. Oh boy! Yeah, so that was that was not easy, but we beat them, and then so you after ran losing thirty by thirty five. Yeah, we had to come them. back and beat them, and you beat them in the 
I think I think that was that helped us to get in what, the second one. Yeah. What was the what was the team's mindset coming into the tournament? Because it's easy to look back on and say, oh yeah, you guys went on this magical run and you won six in a row, and it's it's obviously in the history books. But you know, coming off that loss and kind of that up and down season, like what were you guys thinking at that point? Well, I think the seniors got together and said, hey, you know, we 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 can't go out like this, like with this this Pittsburgh uh, loss. Once once we got in. Once we got in and we found out that we were playing Dayton, the da- the bad side. The good news is we're in. We're playing Dayton. Yeah. The bad news is we're playing them on their home court. Yeah, you're playing them in Dayton. Yeah, right. <laughs> on their yeah, home the court. NCAA did you no favors. No, a- and coach was furious about that. Right. You know, and uh, so we're playing them on their home floor. So I, we all said, okay, we got a second chance. Let's go to work. Let's let's get going. You know, and uh, the seniors. Uh, it was a different vibe at practice. You know, it was like a different. You know, everybody was um, going a little extra hard and, you know, going after it, getting after it. We were pushing the seniors. You know, the, the white team, um, you know, the white team is the, the second team, the right. jersey colors. And uh, the white team just uh, had a really good week mm-hmm. and uh, pushed the seniors. And it was everybody was working together. We were all, you know, helping each other and being, you know, uh, close. With, close. And so that, team, that team was always, always, always very, very close. Okay. And... Um, so now we're ready to play, and then we go there, and that pro- that might have been the toughest game of the whole tournament. You know, if Jensen doesn't make that layup, you know. Um, right, right, and it's and, and and I mean, you guys. One of the things it was funny. So obviously, we're we were both Chris and I were both born after the '85 championship, right? So <laughs> it's literally, it's literally living live, living history. And it was funny doing you know some of the research and, and looking back at you know the run you guys went on. You guys beat a lot of brand names. Like Dayton may have been the toughest, but I mean UNC's in there, Michigan, Memphis, Memphis, State. Oh, Memphis State. Yeah, at well, the we time. had to go like, through the top wild. seeds because we yeah. were an eight. We yeah. were the lowest seed ever to win. Nobody, right. nobody's yeah, ever no, done it since. No one's ever done an eight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was, it was difficult, you know. And there was a, you know, but there was still, we still had fun during it too. See, it's funny because, as you talk to other guys. In this in this particular case, Alvin Williams came out to Florida with us one year when we went down to see Coach. We used to go down every mm-hmm. year, and uh, he sat around the table with us and he's hearing some of the stories and he's going, "Oh my God, I can't believe you guys won anything." You know? <laughs> I, I go, well, "Why?" He goes, "Well, Lapis had us so wound up, so tight, we couldn't even play." Wow. I go, "Well, we, that was the least of our problems. Right. You know? <laughs> that was the least of our our uh, problems, you know. So, I mean, we never had that issue. But you know, so in in like a case in point." Okay, so so we're playing Dayton. So the mascot for Dayton was a big pilot, a flyer. Mm-hmm. And he had a giant head with blonde hair. And so everybody would say, hey, Wyatt, why are you cheering for the other team? They're all telling him, why are you cheering? He looked just like the mascot, looked just like Wyatt. <laughs> right, right, hey, right. why are you cheering for the other team? So we were killing him on the bench the, the, the whole game. So now there's um, the ball. We, we score. The ball's out of bounds. They got to go the length of the court. To, uh, to either tie or win the game. Well, we'll tie because there was no threes then, mm-hmm. unless they got fouled. So um, they, coach goes, Chuck, check in. I'm like, it's two seconds. What is he? Okay. He goes, listen. He says to me, looks me dead in the face. He says, look, you got to make this difficult. Make him throw it as high as he can. You make it go jump around. He goes, he's going to run the baseline. You're going to chase him. They're going to step in and try to take a charge on you. Right. If you run that kid over, I will kill you. It's your <laughs> life. That's it. You're dead. You're dead. So they exactly what he said. Right. I jumped up. You know, I'm, I'm trying to block the pass. He runs the baseline. The guy steps in. I stop short, stop 
six inches before I even come near him. I just put my hands up like I'm not touching him. And they throw the ball up to the moon. Prez picks it off. We win the game. And everybody mobs me because I didn't screw up what, <laughs> coach told, what coach told me. Key play. Key play. Yeah. For two seconds of game time. It's yeah. funny because it's like the, the stories. is like the, the whole game you play for – 40 minutes and it comes down to like a little minutia detail yeah it's funny and there's always stuff that's happening like on the sidelines and you know you know the next game was michigan and we you know it's funny because we talked about it when we came in today The, the stop here was nevin's plaza jake nevin nobody realizes what jake nevin meant to that team I mean, right. that guy... Well, you see the picture of him with the net. You see the picture of him, right. and it doesn't do what the it man doesn't. was right. any justice. We had our own personal leprechaun. And, in, in, you know, in the locker room, he was an older guy. He would tape you. You know, he was the, he was the trainer. And before he got sick, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would always go down to get taped by Jake just to talk with him, you know. And the guy was hysterical in, in every sense of the word. He would do these staring contests with some of the guys. Like him and Wilbur would do this all the time. So Dwight's staring at him, and he's staring at him. He goes, ah, oh, Jake, I can't win. And he leaves. He has to go up to practice. And I go, will you get out of here? i got to get taped. So Jake's taping me. And he goes, hang on a second. And he starts to climb up the shelves, and he's going looking out the back, out by the track. I go, what are you doing? He goes, just hang on a minute. And Wilbur shows up and looks in the window, and Jake's already there waiting for him. Like, he already knew, he already yeah. knew you know. He would do stuff. Like, uh, Billy Higgins was one of the managers. He was talking about this girl he met, and they, he got a rose from a class that this girl sent him. And he, he's, he was nervous about talking to her, and he was right. asking Jake for... He was asking Jake for advice. Mm-hmm. So Jake looks at me and goes, that girl didn't send the rose to me. I sent that rose to him. <laughs> I sent that rose to him. So... You know, right up until when he passed, you know, so he was always involved. And there was so many, there's so many Jake stories. It's Mm -hmm. it's just incredible. But he was, everybody kissed him on the head before they went in the game because it was for good luck. And that game, he had told us, he goes, he had a leprechaun hat, plastic, you know, party hat. So he said, if if the game is out of reach, if I think we're going to win the game, I'm wearing this because I'm going to be on CBS with the leprechaun hat. I go, Jake, you can't. What do you? You can't wear a leprechaun hat. He goes, "Oh, I'm wearing it <laughs> with the cigar, the whole bit, you right. know." And uh, there's a there's a picture when the game was like two minutes to go. He's got this hat on, <laughs> and he and they show him on TV with the leprechauns. So we pull in today to Nevin's Plaza. Right. I right. was like, "Oh my God, this is, Yeah, and and, uh, and Jake, uh, right up until I mean, he went on that uh, to Alaska with us because it was the only state that he hadn't been to, and that was like two three weeks before he died. Wow. And um, we went, uh, one of the managers on the team, one of the equipment guys, Tommy uh, Flanagan, and I went to Jake's right, maybe two weeks before he passed. And we, we sat down for hours. He was telling us stories. He couldn't really even move, and you had to, like, really strain to listen to him. But we, he had us roaring with laughter, and then not, not even a week later, he was gone. Wow, you wow. know, and, uh, and we were all... Uh, Paul Barras at his funeral and stuff like that, and and he, and there was a magic about the guy that I can't even describe. Like I would tell you this, and then we'll get back to the game. But mm-hmm. so he passes away on December 9th, Okay, we're we're in the middle of a season. I get I get uh, I was a captain then, uh, my senior year, and I come out of my uh, classroom and there's cameras everywhere, you know, and they start talking. So we had the funeral and everything, and everybody's still talking about Jake. We're still sore from you know. You know, it's hurting, you know, with missing Jake and everything. Mm-hmm. So we decided on his birthday we're going to go to the gravesite. Okay, it was seven or eight of us that we were playing Temple that day. 
So pregame meal, we pregame meal's over, we get in the car, we go over. So we all lit up cigars in honor of Jake, and we put we put your finger in the ground, and we put a cigar in the ground, sticking up. So right for him, for him. So so we we uh, so we do this, and we light one for Jake, and you know no, nothing happens to a cigar unless somebody puffs on it. There's no smoke, no nothing. So we're standing there, and two big puffs of smoke come out of the cigar that's in no the ground. No way. Swear to God, you know. And so Wyatt's cigar goes out. So we go to light Wyatt's cigar, and Jake used to do this thing. I don't know what, if he sucked on a cigar, he blew on it or whatever, but he would make the flame shoot out of the cigar. I don't know how he did that. But um, so Wyatt goes to you know, light the cigar. I light it for him, and the flame shoots out, and it singes his mustache. And we <laughs> said, okay, Jake, we yeah. put the cigars down. We all left. Yeah. And then there was the, on his birthday, on his actual birthday, we're practicing at, at, uh, at the pavilion. Right, because that was the first year of the... The first year of the pavilion. So we're practicing in the pavilion, and the power goes out. So coach is going, man, we got to play tomorrow. We, we, you know, this is right before, you know, right, the, right before this game. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to play tomorrow. Um, where are we going to play? We got to, well, let's go see what it looks like upstairs. All of a sudden, the sun just comes out and lights up the whole court through <laughs> the, through, there was a big glass window on the, on the far end of Nevin. And it lights the entire court up. So we're practicing in his place on his day and he's lighting it up for you guys yeah. yeah and then and then there was like things of security coming in saying hey sir you can't be in here it was midnight you know you can't be in here and the guy looks and he walks away and he goes back to the guardhouse and there's a picture of jake in there from so he goes i just threw this guy out of the out of the gym because you couldn't have thrown him out of the gym he passed away right so there was a magic about the guy yeah 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 that no one really knew about you know and uh so i always tell everybody we had our own leprechaun that's why we won because mm-hmm. Jake, <laughs> Jake right, was, right. and when Roley was going to leave to go to the Nets, you know, that was a painful uh, couple days, you know, my, my senior year, uh, they had a, they had a thing the night before, uh, like a, like a roast for him, for coach. Mm-hmm. So we comes in and, and we, we had already, we, we just rolled up with uh, a bunch of pizzas and said, Hey, you know, we need to talk, mm-hmm. you know? So we had the whole team on, on this porch in the backyard and we're talking so the next day he comes in, he's got to make a decision, and he still really hadn't made a decision, but he has to talk to us. And the first guy he sees is Jake, and Jake tells him, if I'd have known it was going to come to this, I wouldn't have let you win the Georgetown game. <laughs> so Coach goes, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, don't worry, I'm staying. Yeah. So Jake was ecstatic, and then we, it was like we won again. But right. that was the whole Jake thing that nobody really you know, knows all of that stuff. But, I mean, like awesome. I said, I could, I could talk about Jake all day. He was, right. he was, when, if you were one of Jake's guys, you were one of Jake's guys. If he taped you, it was like getting taped with tissue paper. But if he if he tapped your ankle and said lots of luck, son, never rolled an ankle. Right. Never. Ever. ever. Yeah. And and when you were done with practice, you wouldn't need cutters that would just come off in your hand. You know? Huh. But awesome. yeah, so that was he was a huge part of that whole thing. Yeah. I mean I love the stories that kind of go back and you, we talked about are you really a family and you know it, I love the stories where it's just like it really is like a like a Villanova basketball family yeah. um, that's kind of come to be over the years and and kind of dating back even before, but but especially in in the eighties, um, and, and Jay's kind of brought brought that obviously full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's cool, and it, and it, to me it seems like and just hearing you tell it, that was critical to to the to the championship run. Oh yeah, without that we don't win. Listen, on paper, if you look at the two teams. It's not even close. Right. But but the game's not played on paper, you know. And, you know, everybody was in for each other. You know, right. nobody cared who scored. Nobody, I don't, I don't even, you know, I, I know Dwayne was the high leading scorer, but, you know, nobody cares. I mean, I don't know what he had. I think 
know, 17, something like that. Mm-hmm. It, nobody, nobody cared about any of that. They just wanted to win. And, you know, and it was funny because uh, we were able, I think part of what fostered that whole thing is Coach Mass let us be kids too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we go to some place, like uh, let's take Rupp. We went right. to Rupp Arena. Right. So what, what's Kentucky known for? All the horse races, right? Right, right, right. So we went down to the farms where we met. We were petting Seattle Slough, right. Ali Dar, Affirmed, all these big-time horses. Right, right. So we're all standing around. We're, we're taking pictures in front of the breeding shed, and we're taking pictures with the horses. And, and so one of the horses comes out. I think it was Affirmed. And the horse starts getting excited, you know? And everybody's like, oh, my God, this, you know, what the hell? And uh, the guy, the, the trainer says, somebody must be jingling change. This course only gets excited for money. So stop jingling your change if you don't want them to get excited. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was stuff like that. But those kinds of trips and things that we did, we did stuff together. And it was never, it was never the same group of guys. Like one time I could go to a movie with, with Wyatt and, and Dwight. And the next time I was with Gary or, or Ed or, you know, or Dwayne or Mark or somebody else, you know. And it was never... Was never the same group of guys, and and when they're o- we're always even to this day, we're always in touch, you know. And uh, two of them called me while we were Eddie called and Gary both called while we were sitting here. So <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. So it's it's that's how it is though. I right. I talked to somebody different on that team probably four out of five days a week pro- during the week, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's never the same guys, you know. So it's kind of neat that way. And then I think that came through after we won. We got even closer, you know, because you're you're clo- I'm closer with guys that I wasn't as close with when I was playing. I'm closer with now than I was when we were playing. Right. You know, and uh, I, and I think and people say, well, that's because you won. It's the bond of winning. I don't believe that. I said if we would have lost, I think it would have been the same thing. You know. Do you think that so you were close throughout the whole season throughout the time in Villanova? Do you think that that run though the, the that that three week run really cemented a lot of relationships. Forget the win win or lose, but the three-week run cemented a lot of that. Well, so you're just in a very intense environment. Well, obviously, when you go through something like that with somebody, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to look at, you know, what did we go through, right? We went through everything you can go through on a team. We had a death when Jake died. We opened up a new place. We closed up an arena. We right. opened an arena. We won tough games. We lost tough games. We won a championship. We lost big games. You know, Coach Mass's mom passed away while we were there mm-hmm. in Hawaii my senior year. So we had we were dealing with that and with him. You know, uh, there was anything you can go through as a as a family. We went through. I think all of those experiences brings everybody close. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, there's well documented things on people's. Pro- you know, later in life, guys have problems, personal problems. Their kids have problems. And we're we're there for each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys got guys get divorced, guys get married, guys, you know, you know. It's it's you know we're everybody's kids call each other uncle. Like Plansky's kids call me uncle. So do so do uh, Brian's kids. So do Wyatt's kids. So do, you know all of them. So Prez's kids. So it, and my kids do the same to them too. So it's really it's really great how it worked out. So when making my decision. If I'd have known then what I knew now, you know, I, obviously, you know, it, it, there is no decision. You know, right, I, right. I stressed over nothing. This is the only decision you can make because I feel that this is the way it is at most places, and it's not anything like this anywhere. You know, mm-hmm. and that that is uh, something to be said for that. You know, because the, the basketball part of the relationship with Coach Massimino was about a tenth of what the relationship was. You know, and you're there. I was there right until he literally right till he passed away you know so it was you know as was jay as was the guys in his inner circle you know 
So I, that, there's much more to that than than anything you can say or do on a basketball court. That that was all great. Don't don't believe me. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But you know, if we didn't win the championship and we still had to have the relationship with these guys and this coach, I would I would do that too. You know. So let's let's get, I want to stay I want to stay there. So like post grad, and I mentioned this before. You I, I almost I think of you, you're like the mayor of like of <laughs> like bit. of like all the all the basketball alum. And you've been instrumental um, in bringing people together, and, and still, Coach Wright still calls you to this day to like get try and bring everyone together. Yeah. Um, but especially so, kind of talking to you about uh, over getting together with with Coach Mass around the Super Bowl. So, can you tell us a little bit about uh, about that and kind of and who you're able to bring through over the years? Yeah. So, Coach Mass gets the job down at Northwood University. Right. And, you know, we're, we're talking with him, and Brian Harrington and I got very close. Like, that was one of the guys that, you know, we, we were all friendly, you know, and when we played. But I wasn't, I wouldn't say that Brian was one of my best buddies on the mm-hmm. team. But I would say I'm probably closer to him and maybe Gary now than probably anybody else. So, um, so now what happens is uh, Brian and I go down to visit him you know, one of his first seasons. And just to hang out, they just wanted to go to practice, and Coach was excited to have two of his guys down to introduce to his kids. And so we'd go to practice, hang out with the kids, and go to pregame, and then we'd go to the game, and we'd we'd, uh, we'd stay at his house. We'd, we'd be there for, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home Monday. Now, when you would watch the practice, was he the same guy? Exactly the same. Because <laughs> we laughed about it. Even at the 30th anniversary, they asked the kids, because we, we presented him with, uh, for his birthday, we had a big picture frame made. Jensen's company made it with all of his expressions on it. <laughs> and it was kind of funny because we had a great time putting them all together. Mrs. Mass came up with the idea. It was a great idea. So we just had fun putting all these things together. Some you could say uh, in public air and some you can't. <laughs> but but uh, he got all of them. He thought it was a riot. And these guys, man, he still says that. He still, he still <laughs> says that. I go, yeah, I know. Like he'll tell you, he'll tell you you had three days off. I said, Coach, he goes, so we would practice in the morning on a Friday, okay, before a, a break. He says, all right, so you, you're off the rest of the day. So you go home. I go home to Long Island. So I'm, I'm, so Friday morning we practiced. I'm off Friday afternoon. I'm off all day Saturday. I got practice Sunday night at 5 o'clock, okay? <laughs> the day and a half. So how is that three days off? He goes, hey, you were done practicing here at 9 o'clock. You had all day. So you had all day Friday. You had all day Saturday. And you had all day Sunday. You didn't have to be here till Sunday night. Three days. You had three days off. <laughs> so I'm like, come on. <laughs> really? So everybody, you know, so that was his math. It was yeah. a little fuzzy. But, yeah. you know, that was his, you know. But so, yeah, it, it, he, uh, that whole thing that we were talking about is just, it's solidified with, by him. And then it went down to all the rest of the guys, you know. How'd you get, um, you know, obviously Jay came in and took over the program. How'd you get, you know, introduced to Jay? What was your first impression of, of Coach Wright? Jay, um, Jay used to come around for camp and stuff. And we got into some pickup games with him back in the day at Coach's camp because we would work the camp still after even, you know, we were all still there, you know. So I think he came on the staff. Yeah, because you, oh, your time in college. I, the year I left, left he came in because he coached uh, – I think he was with Grice. I think Grice uh, and him were on this were together. So I got to know him through coach and being part of that whole thing, and and got to know him a little bit there. And then he went to Vegas with Coach Mass and him and Tommy Pecora mm-hmm. hooked up in Vegas, and then they went to Hofstra. And because 
I knew them for so long, and I'm a Long Island guy, and now he's on Long Island, so I would go to games. I would stay in touch with him there. And then when uh, everything went on, when Coach Lapis got let go, uh, I called him. I was in, going to Mexico. I called him on, at, I called him on uh, 4 o'clock in the morning on his, on his uh, answering service for uh, Hofstra. I said, I don't even know if they talked to you yet, but I know where you're going. I said, just tell me it's, we're all good to come back. And so he got back to me right away no and said, yep, way. we're coming back. We want everybody in. We want this. We want right. that. Yeah, so it was it was kind of uh, kind of cool like that because so. he was this close, right, to going to Rutgers. That's what they say, but I don't yeah. believe that. You know? <laughs> I mean, listen, he's a Villanova fan from when he was a kid. His favorite yeah. player is Chris Ford, you know. So uh, you know, I don't think that that held any water. But you know, it was uh, it was good, and 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 he's he's just been awesome. Like my first day. I go there. I, I, I got back from Mexico, and I, I showed up on campus. And I go, I'm here to see the new coach. She goes, well, they're in a meeting. You're going to have to wait out here. You're going to, you know, man, you know, it's Chuck. You know, <laughs> you, know you can talk to me, you know. Right. So she so she uh, she said, well, you can't go in there. So Fred Hill comes walking out, and Fred says, hey, you're Everson, right? I go, yeah. He goes, aren't you on this team? I go, yeah. He goes, well, the meeting's inside. What are you doing out here? I go, really? New sheriff, man? Yeah. She goes, oh, boy. It was totally a different wow. vibe right from the jump. Wow. So, yeah. And then, you know, so he's been he's been awesome ever since. He makes us feel like, you know, you go to practice, the kids know us, you know, we know the kids, especially the two championship teams as it worked out. That right. that that group of kids from that five or six year period, you know, I, I could just show up at practice unannounced and, and a manager would bring a chair over for me, somebody would give you a bottle of water, you know, here have this, you know, like great to have you here and he'd bring you out to the huddle with the team and mm-hmm. make you feel like you're part of the team and then you'd go home with, you know, shirts and sweats and right you know whatever you know it was he just made everybody feel great you know and he, and he would do that you know the whole time so mm-hmm. and then you know, like to, to to dovetail on that getting back to what you were asking about florida and stuff so that all started with um brian and i like i was telling you right and then we it, it built every year another guy wanted to come and another right. guy and then it was presley then it was rc then it was you know jensen then it was and then, so we would all be staying at the house, and then he would ask go to neighbors' houses and say, "Hey, listen, are you going to be home? We need to borrow your house. The guys are coming." <laughs> and he'd have guys staying in their houses. So we go. So now we're all over the place. So now, you know, so you you could be stepping over bodies to get to, you yeah, know, right, to get right. to the bathroom or something in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> so, um, so that that turned into Super Bowl weekend. We made it a big weekend where we'd all come in Thursday. We'd have a cocktail party on Friday. He'd kick everybody out of the house except for us. We'd have a big pasta dinner, mm-hmm. you know, and we'd, and we'd go through everything and talk about everything and talk about your families and, and where where you are. And then uh, that went to game day the next day, and then we would go uh, from there. We would go uh, the following day. We'd have a Super Bowl party at the house, you know, and then Monday everybody leave at 5, 6 o'clock in the morning to get up and go, get back to work. But it was <clears throat> it was wild because that's that was the best times with him because – we would sit around the backyard drinking wine, eating pasta or smoking cigars. Some guys smoke cigars, whatever, and we're just telling stories and going over things and laughing and joking around about everything and just ribbing each other and you know and and uh, it was that was the best times you know and it, you know stuff like he'd go to this place called Duffy's after game. Right. So he said, hey, you know, we got in on a Thursday. We went to practice. He goes, Come on, we're going to Duffy's. I'll have a shooter before we go to home. So okay, we go in and. Get a drink with him. This one time I'm with Dwayne McLean. Dwayne was on his staff, coach with him, and Brian. And we're about to cross the street, and Brian and coach are in the crosswalk. And Dwayne and I are on the curb. And his car starts to come around the corner, and it starts to pick up speed. And I go, D, I don't, 
I don't think this guy's going to stop. So he comes right through and hits Coach and Brian flush on. Coach, Brian says, Brian says, you got to jump, jump. So Brian jumps on the hood of the car like Starsky and Hutch. Coach Mass takes a full-on shot, and, the hit, and he's holding a, a, a rocks glass with a, with, a, uh, with a crown royal, okay? Coach hits the deck with his arm up in the air. He does never spills a drop, okay? <laughs> Never spills a drop. Goes down. The guy. The guy gets out of the car. Dwayne and I are, are now furious. We run out. We're ready to pummel this guy. Right. You know. So coach is like, "Help me up! Help me up!" And he's dusting his pants off. I'm like, "You all right? What? Are you okay?" So he goes, "Yeah." He goes, and the guy's, "I'm begging for mercy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." He goes, "They're not going to hurt you. They're not going to hurt you. Relax." Right. He goes, "Listen, pal. You should seriously consider not driving anymore." He, he, he goes, yeah. He goes, I, yeah, I'm not too good at night. No, you're not. He goes, we were in the walkway. Right, right. You didn't see us. He goes, all right, everybody's okay. Go home. Go home. So now the crowd is gathered around. So you can't let him go home. He goes, listen, we got to go. He goes, coach, we got to call an ambulance. You got to see if you're all right. He goes, I'm fine. He goes, mom's got the pot on, and I like my pasta al dente. He goes, if they wait any longer, it's going to be mush. Oh my God. We got to go. Let's right. go. Let's go. We got to go. So we get in the car, and he's calling all his, his friends. And he's going, yeah, I, you know, guys wouldn't call Billy Cunningham. Billy right. Cunningham didn't pick up the phone. He goes, yeah, Billy, I, I just got hit by a car, but you don't care. It's all right. It's all right. And he hangs up the phone. I'm like, oh what the hell is it? So okay. he's calling all these guys. And, and I'm like, hey, Coach, uh, um, Harrison Ford called. I said he, he needs a stunt double if he's doing another <laughs> yeah, Indiana yeah, Jones. Yeah, Are yeah. you available? He goes, yeah, yeah. So we're laughing about it. But in the back of our head, we're really nervous because he took a shot. Right. I mean, he took a real yeah. hard shot. He right. got hit by a car. And he's not a young guy at this point. Yeah, no. Right, No, right. yeah. So he was pretty close to 80. If he wasn't 80 already, he was right. pretty close. He was like 78, Jeez. 79. And there's no impact. Just, he was uh, fine. Well, so here's what happened. So the next day, you know, he's ready. It's game day. So he's got all his stuff packed. He goes, come on, Everson, you're going to make me late. Let's go. He's screaming at me. I'm going, are you all right? He goes, yeah. I go, I got a black and blue on my ass. That's it. I'm good. I go, are you kidding me? He goes, no, I feel fine. Let's go. It's game day. So we get, we get, we get in the locker room. We get in the locker room, and this is what he says. He looks at the team. He goes, I tell you what. He goes, I tell you what. He's looking around, and he goes, I'm the toughest son of a gun in this room. Tell him, Chuck. I go, listen, guys. Coach took a charge on a Toyota last night. <laughs> Just want to let you know, he took a charge on a Toyota. I said, and. Uh, He's right. So if you don't play hard tonight, you got no. I don't want to hear any excuses because nobody's tougher than that guy. Yeah, yeah. So they went. They went charging out the door and they win the game. He goes, ah, "That was good." He goes, "Yeah, that, we used that. That was good." I'm like, <laughs> but are you all right? He goes, "Yeah, yeah." His, his, I mean, he had a black and blue, like a six, eight inch black and blue on his backside. It was oh, smoke, unbelievable. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, this is the, like, and this like every time. We got together. There was always something that you know that went on. How that all happened, where we got involved with Jay, and then Jay started hearing about us going down, and we would text Jay and send him pictures from down there at the dinner table or right. anything that we were doing. And he's like, "Oh, this is so awesome!" And he's so he's shooting it out on social media to everybody, and then um, and then they went you know back and forth with with all of that stuff. So then, while this was all going on, from from the time that. He was pretty much done. Well, even before that, like, once we got done playing and we started getting requests for interviews and stuff based on our championship, every time around this time of the year, you know, we would start getting calls, and, right. you know. He'd go, just call Chuck. Chuck Chuck does all that. Call right. Chuck. Right. So that's how I, he goes, I got dubbed the social director mm -hmm. of the team. So how that started was they gave out a calendar back in 85. 
you know, and and it had a, a, a month for each guy, and they had all his likes, dislikes, and but it had your birthday on it. So I used to call the guys and say, "Hey, happy birthday! Just want to let you know I'm thinking of you," which is just a nice thing to do. Yeah. Everybody likes to have their birthday mentioned. Right, right. So I, I do it with some of my close friends too, you know, and then other guys were saying, "Hey, how come you don't tell me when it's my birthday?" I go, "You, <laughs> didn't, you didn't tell me when it was your birthday." Yeah, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm pu- I have all these players' birthdays in my phone. So I started doing that. Now, now with thank God for texting because I could send a text out, one text, and everybody's blowing up the guy's phone or right, whatever, right, whatever right. it is, you right. know. And uh, so now Jay, now if you go on his Twitter account, he says happy birthday to every guy. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. He, he started that because that's what we used to do for years and years and years. And then he started that because it's a, it's a really nice thing to do and makes yeah. people feel good about themselves and about that somebody recognized that it was your birthday. Then that led to all the different, all the different things with, the, with, the, with the, uh, uh, the media when it came to, you know, anything talking about the team and stuff. You know, so like HBO wanted to get a hold of everybody when they did that HBO special. So I get them a hold of everybody, and they want they want pics, they want this, they want that. So I'm giving them pictures. I'm not giving them pictures that I'm not in. I'm so so I got involved. I got in. I got in like every article. I was like, you You're know, like the I'm guy. in the background photo bombing all the all yeah, the pictures, yeah. you know. And uh, well, one video they always show is the video because you got hit at the end of the yeah at the end of the first half. Yep. And they always show then the shot of Roly kind of. Ro- Running yeah, into the, that's pretty the iconic. Pumping that, his yeah. fist and like, yeah. I can only imagine what he was saying at that moment. Well, yeah, well, he got all worked up that, um, you know, obviously they're taking advantage. They disrespected Chuck. They disrespected us. No, they're not going to put up with that shit. They're right. going to take that from them. And and we came out and shot nine for ten. So yeah. I, I'm saying to myself, okay, wow, it's unbelievable. We didn't miss, you right. know. And right. you don't, you have really no control over yourself on the sideline. Listen, I. I got mad when Reggie hit me because I wanted to shoot the one and one because I know I'm not going to get a chance to score in a championship game unless Eddie breaks his leg. Right. You know. Right. So with the odds of that happening were, and we didn't want that to happen right, right, by right, any right, stretch. Right, right. So we didn't want Eddie getting hurt, but you know that was the only chance I had to get back in the game. It was zero chance. So okay. So I, I'm I want to shoot the one and one. Right. You know, it, it's national championship game. You know, I don't know if we're going to win, win or lose, but I know that I I'd have a chance to at least score a point. So that that didn't happen. We go in, he uses it, we come out. So now we're on the bench and we keep making shots. So you find yourself praying. So Wyatt and I have our hands up in prayer in front of our face and I and I hear this noise over my left shoulder, like a clicking, like, you know, you know? So I go, what the heck? And I look over and there's 250 photographers pointed at us. I go, hey. He goes, yeah. I go, don't move. We're going to be in every paper in the country tomorrow. We're going to lose. <laughs> he goes, what? I go, look over your left shoulder. He goes, holy shit, there's 250. I said, yeah, yeah. don't move. Right, right. So there's a picture of us, like, praying. Yeah, yeah. On, and and, and uh, so I said, hey, if we win this game, we got to carry coach off the floor. So he says, yeah, that, that'd be awesome. I said, yeah, we got to do that if we win this game. And, right. you know, because we don't know. So we win the game. We run over. We carry him off. And, uh. Years later, coach calls me and says, uh, hey, um, you're going to get a call. You can thank me later, but just answer the phone when this guy calls you. I go, what, what guy? Don't worry about it. You'll thank me when you th- you'll thank me later. So a guy calls from Pepto-Bismol, and he says, he's a lawyer. He's representing Pepto-Bismol, and they're gonna hang, they want to hang that post. There's a picture of Wyatt and I that carried coach off the court. Right. Pretty, it's a pretty famous picture. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I have it in my mind. Yeah, so so they they have that picture and they want to hang it in the final four for four days. 
So I said, okay. He goes, we want to pay you 750 bucks to, to do this. I go, you sure you don't want me to pay you for the 750 <laughs> I said, you really? I said, he goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, this is serious. You got you to give it your, your okay. And okay. He goes, I need Wyatt Maker's number. I said, so you haven't talked to him? He goes, no. I said, okay, good. So I said, I'll give you his number, but this is what I want you to do for me. I said, Wyatt and I are tight, really tight. My probably best friend on the team. I said, um, tell Wyatt the fee is 750 but he only gets 350 Everson gets 400 because it was his idea to take the picture. <laughs> so so the guy goes, you really want me to do that? I said, yeah, I want you to do that. So 15 minutes later, Wyatt calls me. goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> this guy's good. So he's yelling at me. But, yeah, so that was all part of him. That And that's how the whole thing started with getting around to all the guys and stuff. And then Jay kept asking to help out with other stuff, you know. So, so I would be involved. Every time they needed somebody, I would call people and like for summer jam and and for this we have the um this year it's going to be a gala usually it's the dinner at the end of the year yeah, it's going to be a gala celebrating 100 years 100 years yeah actually. so so i work with Arlisha a little bit to get everybody you know I'll, i just kind of she does the work and then i just back her up but You're it works out for our yeah I you know what I, I think guys like to hear from former players when it comes to some of that stuff right you know and a lot of guys didn't know the procedure like to, to go to games or to to be involved, and they, they was, there was a lot of miscommunication, so there was a lot of hurt feelings that I helped mend fences for, mm-hmm. you know, and that towards the end of his life, we had the last summer jam coach was at, uh, he, I said to him, I'm getting all the guys, and he said, uh, hey, can you do me a favor? I said, sure. He goes, can you get Aaron Howard to show up? I haven't seen Aaron since he left school. I really would love to see him. So I call Ski, and um, he was not taking my call. He won't take my call. And come to find out, he was pissed because he couldn't get tickets for a Villanova game. He had to get tickets from Creighton to go to the Villanova-Creighton game. Right. I go, Aaron, did you ever stop to think maybe you should call one of your old teammates to see how they're going to the game and right. see what's – there's tickets for you if right. you go to the game. Is right. it? So he goes, no. I go, well, listen. So I, I, he so he wouldn't call me back. So I called Pickney. I said, look, call your boy and tell him to call me. I need to talk to him. So he calls me. I go, look, coach is asking for you to show up at this thing. I know you don't go to a lot of stuff. You need to go. So he goes, well, what's going on? I go, well – you know, he's real sick. I said, he's in the fourth quarter. We don't know what's left on the clock. I said, so you need to go because he's specifically asking for you and Alex Bradley. So right. bring Alex with you. So he assures me he's going to show up. He walks in the door, you know, and coach was like a little kid at Christmas time. I go, look, who mm. just showed up. Yeah. So he runs over to the door, say hello to him. They took some nice pictures and, right. and they got together, they got speaking again and, you know, caught up and everything which was great for both of them right before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And then I went over to Jay and said, look, Aaron Howard's here. And I said, and that was the guy that and I, I tell Jay, if if there's something going on, if somebody is feel, not feeling the right way, I'll, I'll talk to Jay. And Jay will, you know, Jay will make sure that he understands that this is what it's about. So Aaron comes back to everything now, which is great. That's what we, that's. And, and Jay did the same thing where he brought him into the practice at the huddle. And, exactly. Right. The same thing he does for every, everybody who played. Not right. just not just guys that played on championship teams. If you were a walk-on somewhere and you played, they they do that. That's what they do. It doesn't matter. You see, the thing is what Jay shows these guys is it doesn't matter what your job is. Every job is equally important as everybody else's job. Mm-hmm. You know, Jake's job is just as important as Pickney's job, which was just as important as Brian Harrington's job, which was important as my job, as Wyatt's job, as, you know. So yeah, so it was. It's that's how it is, you know. So the one, and I think we'll probably have to end up yep. closing with this. But the one thing that I'm so interested in, and you showed us uh, when we met last time, was the this coin. Yeah. Um, that 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 you have with 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 all the guys. Yeah. And uh, can you tell us a little bit more about it? It's got like the 
the the chair. It's got the ring on the one side mm-hmm. and Roly on the other. It's got Roly's face on the other. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's called the challenge coin in the military. They call it a challenge coin. Okay. And Wyatt's father was a big Marine, and I guess once a Marine, always a Marine. So he's always talking about that. And Connolly Brown, who was an FBI agent um, for the last twenty three or four years, had these coins. When we went to Florida. He would come in, and anytime he did a mission or something, they had these coins. So they would share them with each other like a brotherhood type of thing. Mm-hmm. So if you got one of these coins in the military, I guess it's if you go on a mission or, or an assignment, you know, you get a coin for, you know, doing a good job or whatever. And you get it from different ranking officials. And the higher rank, you know, the captains have certain ones, lieutenants, etc. And uh, And then when you go out to the bar or whatever you go to afterwards, you know, the guy with the lesser... Uh, coin has to buy the round. In our case, if I pull a coin out and Connolly Brown doesn't have his, Connolly buys. So we did this thing. It was kind of just a way to uh, honor Coach all the things that he taught us or the legacy that he's left behind and the fact that how close we are. So um, Connolly had always wanted to do this project because he was the guy that had all these things. So we, we formed a little committee. It was Brian Harrington, RC, you know, because RC had to be involved. It was you know, he's uh, he's kind of like stepped into coach's role in in some regard because anytime we do anything, I always run it by RC to make sure, you know, coach would be good with it or he would be good, you know what I mean? Because uh, it's all his family. And uh, Brian, myself, RC, and uh, we, we put this thing together and um, we came up with a coin and we, we printed a bunch of them where the players uh, got four coins and they can give them to anybody that was close to our program, close to the team, close to that group, uh, or your family, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever. It could be anybody. They're yours. And managers got a certain amount, and everybody got coins to you know divvy up. And then we anybody who played for Coach during Summer Jam, Brian handed out some coins to the guys that played for Coach Mass. And we gave Jay a whole stack so he can give them to different alums and whatever he wanted to do with them, he, he did, you know. And so it's been like this brotherhood thing, and uh, it's kind of like it's turned into a big deal, kind of. It's kind of like, you know, you were part of this group or this this group of guys, and uh, it's pretty cool. You know, yeah. so guys talk about it all the time. So when you, when you go to a game, you always, you know, you can come up to any one of us at a game. If you see any of us, ask him if he's got his challenge coin on him, and they'll show it to you. Right. You know, normally... They all have it because nobody. Every, everybody's cheap. They don't want to buy. <laughs> they don't want to buy for anything. They're all ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool that you have something to remember, Coach. By, and what was the saying on the coin? It says, uh, "Don't be a do nothing strap." So he would he would call guys strap for strap hanger. You know, you get a job strap. You know, yeah. stuff like that. Right. You know, and uh, and and he would say in the locker room on more than one occasion if you were, if you were playing in a game and you really you're in the game but you're really not participating in the game mm-hmm. he'll say to you what did you do you're a do nothing you didn't rebound you didn't shoot you didn't score you didn't you didn't assist anybody what are you doing right. you do nothing right. why so why do i have you in there if you're going to be a do nothing <laughs> don't be a do nothing so scared. we wanted to use we, we asked everybody for expressions that they would like to see and we polled the whole team and jay and said, look, you know, what do you want on this thing? But it's only so much space. But we thought that was uh, a, a, a good expression because 
it's it's a it's somebody's going to ask a question, so you'll have to tell a story about coach. And it's reminding you, you know, don't sit around and do nothing. Nothing's going to happen if you don't do it. If you do nothing, right? It's, so it's not. It goes beyond be the court. Through, yeah, it's kind of like a lesson. You know, right. we all know what the lesson means. It's a short version of a lesson. Right. So, and then Strap was just his you term say, for yeah, jerks, slacker, yeah, yeah, slacker, yeah. So awesome. Yeah. I think we're going to wrap up there. Okay. Um, I just thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Really appreciate you taking the time. Um, obviously, it's, it's awesome to hear about the magic and, and, and beyond that, be, beyond the magic of the 85 championship, the, the family um, that's kind of been, it's been around. Yeah, here, so. it's, it, it's, been, it's been a wild ride, man. And still, and it, it's amazing because it, it hasn't stopped in 35 yeah. years. People still talk about that game and yeah. where they were and who they were with. So it, to me, that's amazing. That's an amazing thing in itself that you were part of something that yeah. people still are interested in. Once they find out where you played, you know, yeah. they ask about that all the time. So. I think everything that's come after it is 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 even more meaningful and, and, and pretty special. Yeah, so. I agree. And, you know, it's funny because I get on D-Ray, and you could tell him I said this. He'll hear it now, too. Yeah. You know, we talk about the, you guys talk about the 16 versus 18. They always leave the 85 guys out, right. but we were the Ooh. blueprint for what they did. Yeah, yeah. You so guys they couldn't the have group. done what they did without us. That's all. And you always remember your first. Just don't yeah. forget that, D-Ray. So we're going to mic drop right there. <laughs> we're going to mic drop right there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks again to Chuck Thanks Everson. for having me. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back pretty soon. Yep. So thanks for listening. And as always, let's go, go Nova. Nova.